Right. What's going on, Faith Church? Hey, it's great to have everybody here. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Just want to say welcome to all of our Faith Church family, not just here in Florence, but can we welcome our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg? It's good to have you guys with us. And all the people not on a budget who's at the beach, enjoy spring break. Woo! Well, hey, listen, we have been in a series that we are concluding today entitled At Work. And basically, we've just been navigating about how our faith fits in with work. A lot of us have had situations that are difficult, work environments that are hard. Some of you work for bosses that either don't give you credit for your work or um, take credit for your work. Sometimes we work with coworkers that bring a lot of drama, and it's very hard to show up in the workplace and have a smile. Maybe you're in a dead-end job, and you feel like, man, your talent is just being wasted. Whatever it is, all of us, all of us have been in places where work is hard, and so We just tackled this series about how God fits in, how faith fits in, about how we can find our purpose at work, um, about how we can make work work. And so if you've not been here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this series. We've talked about the employee side, the employer side, about what God has to say about this big idea of making faith work at work. And so today, I thought we would do something a little bit different. Anybody like when we mix it up just a little bit? So... I thought it would be great if we brought some people with some varied experience and different backgrounds that could speak to all of us in this room. And so we put together a panel of people that are just faith church family uh, that we thought would uh, have something to say. So, man, can you all welcome to the platform, man, some of our people here? Uh, why Why don't you guys introduce yourself to our faith church family here in Florence and in Lawrenceburg, starting over here with Ryan. Let us know a little bit who you are and what you do. Sure. So, um, yeah, my name is Ryan Egley. Um, I'm from Lawrenceburg, and I work at the Lawrence County Chamber of Commerce. I do business recruitment and business advocacy for our community. Mm. And killing it there, by the way. I am Judy Chatterton, and I've been married to Ryan for about 15 years. I've got three kids, Christian McKenna and Will, and I am a mom. There you go. Come on. I'm I'm Julia Goods, and... I'm Julia Quoits, and I'm a graduating senior at the University of North Alabama. Double major right here, people. Double major. Pre-med, going to pre-med. Going to be an OBGYN. <laughs> Miss Stephanie? I'm Stephanie Tanner. I'm Stephanie Tanner, and I'm a realtor with Remax Tri-State. I have three children and have been married for 32 years. Awesome. My name is Grover Johnson. Uh, I've been coming to Faith Church about seven years, and I own a local mechanical contracting company. My name is Josh Kelly. I'm married. I have three daughters. I'm an Allstate agent, and I have a sock company and a consulting company and, like, nine other things, so... <laughs> he's passionate about socks he got a little kitten in him hey listen uh so for you three over on this side obviously two of you are current business owners miss stephanie uh, you and steve have been business owners and currently successful in business would love for you guys because there are some of you here you may want to start a business and uh it's all glorious on the outside but can you maybe speak to some challenges or some things that you've experienced that you didn't expect going into being a business owner that now you'd like to let us in on that secret yeah, I'll start. Um, I, I guess the biggest thing for me is is only knowing what I know or not knowing what I don't know, if that makes sense. So you see a business person and you think just because somebody owns a business that they've got money coming out their ears. You see the, the fun part, the successful part. You see the fruit of 
whatever it is they do in the whether it be the uh, the physical things or the things they're able to do or the time that they appear to have. And, uh, you know, I bought my first business when I was really young and going into it, it's like, you don't think about the taxes and you have to have an accountant and, uh, an attorney and what employees and all these different types of insurance. And what happens if nobody shows up that day or what if this breaks, <laughs> how do I pay for this? And so I think the biggest thing for me was, was not knowing what I didn't know. If that makes sense, and uh, there's a uh, an example. If you you're seeing the duck on top of the water swimming around, but underwater their feet are going like nine thousand miles an hour. That bottom part on the water is the part that I didn't know. So that that was the biggest challenge for me starting out. What I would tell everyone is owning a business is not for everyone. Uh, it's not a virtue. It doesn't make you any better than anybody else. Uh, so I would tell you that you have to be really self motivated. Uh, to own a business, uh, you've got to have a really thick skin. It requires you to deal with conflict up close and personal. And it also requires sometimes confrontation in a business. And early on in your business, I hadn't found one yet, that you don't have to deny yourself and your family because at that point in time, the business comes first. Hmm. Just make sure that you can't live without it before you start off on this journey. It's hmm. good. And I would say um, count up the cost. Um, you know, people inspire or aspire to be business owners, but there's a price. There's a sacrifice that must be made. My husband and I raised our three children in our first business. Is that the ideal situation? No, but it was something that we had to do because we had a business. And there were things that we missed out on. They missed out on because they were always at work with us. Um, and, uh, even now our oldest is 29 and sometimes around our dinner table, we still have conversations about that. Hmm. And that's been that many years ago. And so, you know, I say to you, count up the cost. Are you willing to pay the price, you know, for business ownership? Because there is a price to be paid. So ultimately there's, there's some value in owning a business, but it, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of sacrifice on the front end. takes a lot of information that, you know, you may not realize you need. So obviously you guys have come, some of you in this room, everybody probably here has transitioned. At one point you had a job, transitioned to another job. And so you have transitioned at one point in your lives from being employees to employers. And so would love to hear from Jaleric and uh, from Judy. You guys have transitioned. You're getting ready to transition out of school into the next phase, next step. And Judy, you've gone from working outside of the home, working in church and ministry. Now you're a stay-at-home mom. I'd love for both of you just to speak to us like, how do you figure out a transition how do you know when's the right time? How do you transition well? What's that, what does that look like for us? So for me, I had an amazing advisor um, through my professional biology um, majoring. And there's plenty of times where I wanted to give up. And I'm pretty sure as college students, we all have that experience. And she was just in my corner. She didn't plan it completely out for me. She didn't tell me, this is exactly what you're going to do. She gave me my options, and she let me plan it out. And so from there, I knew that I had to listen to God's voice and find his just tug on me to pull me in the right direction. And also I had a really rough semester a few semesters ago and it was just a really dark time. And my mom encouraged me to um, read uh, the books in the Bible of Proverbs and Psalms of wisdom and uh, praise and thanksgiving. And I just knew that throughout that whole time I had to find my wisdom and just thank God even in my dark times so that he would lift me up and he lift me right out of it. And now I'm about to graduate in May. So I'm That's really awesome. excited. <laughs> Twice now, I've left a career to come home to my children and to just be a mom. And I think 
both times when I've done that, the Lord has really impressed it on my heart and on my husband's heart too, that this was what he wanted me to do. And in my flesh, there was always a lot of fear. Like how on earth can I give up a salary? You know, how can we replace that? How can I afford this? How, how am I going to do it? And I think the thing that I have learned, I hope I finally learned this, is that each time that I've made this transition, and we've made a lot of transitions, even with our family moved here two years ago from living up north, that God goes before you mm-hmm. and prepares the way ahead of time for you. That's that when right. he asks you to do something, he's not going to leave you floundering there to figure it out. Like each time he has provided financially for us, even with, our, with moving here, you know, there were so many God moments that confirmed that that's what he wanted for us. You know, we, we sold our house without ever even putting it on the market. And God prepared everything ahead of time for us. He prepared relationships for us when we moved here. And so if, if you feel God impressing your heart that your kids need you at home, like I would just encourage you to be obedient because he's faithful and already has it figured out. That's right. That's right. So I'd love to address for a lot of us in this room, we don't work uh, in the environment I get to work in. I'm, I'm a pastor of this church. We have a staff of about 30 people, and so most of them love Jesus, and most of them are saved. I'll let you figure out which ones are and which ones are not. But uh, So this is a faith-friendly environment. I, obviously, I, I, I not just express my faith. I almost get paid to be a professional Christian. But a, a lot of you don't work in those environments. In fact, I got a question this past week, and it was simply this. Uh, Pastor, what do I do when, when your boss? What do you do when your boss is Satan? So, if you're working for Satan, come on, cast it out. Woo! Uh, but I would love to hear from Ryan, working in government that is certainly not always known as being faith friendly, and Jaleric on university on a campus. Again, sometimes not always a faith uh, friendly environment. How do you thrive in succeeding in, in where you're at with not comp- without compromising your faith? Uh, sure. So when you think and hear government, you probably think and hear politics, and that immediately puts a bad taste in your mouth, right? Like, and that's probably justified uh, because look, look at business. that It thrives out of efficiency and effectiveness, and government seems to operate in inefficiency and, um, and, and ineffectiveness. And, and that's a problem, and I, I think that uh, a lot of times man messes that up. It could be a result of the fall, right? And so, um, but, but when you look at it, it, it's just like any other profession, um, in, in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so regardless of the position, and, um, and almost actually especially if you have a position of influence or impact, uh, uh, maybe you're a public official in the room, uh, you know, you have to look at what it means to politic. And at, at its heart, for me, uh, and, and to hopefully thrive in it and honor God by doing so, politics at its best is people and purpose focused. Mm. Um, at its worst, it's position driven and power driven. Mm. And, and so I just hope that I can, I can help people um, and, and for a good purpose. So, so maybe it's not the job you're in, it's the attitude you have. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's great. Jaleric, what about you? University, making it happen. How do you, how do you make it happen with, with still loving God and So as a college student, we get so wrapped up in our assignments and our activities that we want to go do that we just feel overwhelmed and that we don't have time for God. So one of my favorite things to do in the morning is I wake up and I play a gospel playlist and it's uh, mixed with gospel and praise and worship songs. And I just listen to it while I'm getting ready and just trying to connect with God. I call that my Jesus time. And as I drive throughout the day, sometimes I'm just like, all right, let me turn my radio off and I'll turn it off and I'll just talk to God and just 
try to figure out my life and what stage I'm in and what he wants me to do in that moment. And every night before I go to bed, I try to open my Bible and read a book and just read one chapter out of it and just try to fully digest it to see what I get out of it. Because I know everybody gets different experiences from reading the Bible, but I try to make sure that I dwell in it and, you know, just try to figure out what God wants me to get out of that chapter. And I just try to make sure that I just encourage prayer. So I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and I was chaplain, and I loved every minute of that. I loved to pray. <laughs> and um, also, when I cheered, I also would pray before and after at practice or before and after a game just to encourage my teammates. And so they call me Mama J on campus because I just love to, you know, just uplift up everybody else and encourage them. That's awesome. That's great. Um, Grover and Josh, you guys, again, are current business owners. Um, you know, we live, again, right now, society is very education-driven, which is a great thing. I don't, I don't believe you can have too much education, but so many students are going off to college and accumulating a lot of student debt, and some of them are struggling just to find a job. And, again, I'm for education, but I, I just want to say this. I believe that blue-collar jobs in the next 20 years are going to pay as much, if not more, than some current white-collar jobs. So don't feel like that's your answer. But uh, for you two, as you hire, obviously you're looking for competent people, but what about character. Does character matter when you hire somebody? Grover may start with you. What's, what do you look for when you're hiring for somebody? Well, the first thing I'm looking for is somebody can pass the drug test. <laughs> hey, some of you are laughing. Some of you need to write that down. <laughs> Make a note. Yeah, I'm dead serious on that one. <laughs> and because we travel so much, uh, my employees are entrusted with company vehicles, and so having a good driver's license is essential in moving up. Um, some people, um, if you can read a measuring tape, that's a real plus. Um, and also, one thing that we've really lost, I think, in this country is people who can come to work every day and, and be on time when they get there. So I, I guess I'm in a opposite direction of that with, with him. So in my, my real job, my Allstate agencies, we... Everybody that's on our team are highly qualified, highly compensated um, people, um, professionals, I would say. And so in my business, I look for something totally different, the the stuff that's on the inside, the integrity, character, work ethic, attitude is a big one because um, – can I say turd in a punch bowl? Is that okay to say? You just it, did. Okay. Uh, so – so if has anybody ever worked with somebody in their office or their wherever it is that's kind of the the sourpuss that kind of taints the whole office and gets everything if you have it it's probably you but uh but the uh it, it's the environment's so important because we're there as much as we are with our family and sometimes more so so I look at it as, as if you've got the character, the integrity, the quality, the type of person that fits with our team, the type of attitude that we want, I can teach you how to sell insurance. I can teach you how to take a payment, how to service a policy, those type of things. That's easy. It's the other things that you can't teach. You can't teach character and attitude and integrity, that kind of stuff. So I look for that stuff, and it would teach them how to do the, the widget that we turn. Yeah. So, again, I, I want you all to hear that. That is so important. Again, you can get education. You can learn skills. If you don't learn them uh, in your education environment, you can learn them on the job. But if you'll show up with hard work and character and you'll set your side apart, set yourself, uh, set yourself aside in this culture, man, you will find an employer. There are just, unfortunately, we live in a time where people who show up, work hard, put in the time and effort and show up regularly is just a rare breed. And so be a person of character. I believe, man, God will bless you and take you to another level. 
So I would love, uh, man, to address uh, the challenge of um, where ladies are at. And specifically, we live in a culture right now where we hear words um, that make, make some of you tense, but um, white privilege, male privilege, um, those are real things in the environment we live in, the culture we live in. And so, uh, Miss Stephanie and Miss Jalerick, I would love for you girls to address, um, you know, what, what do you do when you face obstacles specifically? Um, with what you face and how do you overcome them? How do you overcome? How do you become a successful businesswoman and not just a business person? Um, and it is real. Um, the stereotype, um, you're called a lot of things in the business world as a woman in business and especially if you're wanting to be a successful businesswoman. Um, and what I find for me is, is you cannot handle that in the natural. Mm-hmm. Your mouth will say something in that situation that you will not be able to turn around and invite them to come to Christmas at Faith. (laughs) You can tell them to go somewhere. They just can't come to Christmas at Faith. (laughs) But it won't be Christmas at Faith. And so you have to really handle it because it is real and it's not undercover. We know that we all, if you work in an environment where there are both male and female and you all do the same jobs, that most of the time that man is paid more than the, than the woman and we're both doing the same job. And she's working twice as hard because she's wanting to earn just as much. But that's not the case. Again, you can't handle that in the natural. You have to handle that as a Christian mm. on the job. That's good. You cannot, uh, we would love to be able to, you know, really tell them what we think about it or speak our mind. But we cannot do that. So handle it in a spiritual way. Handle it, you know, we used to carry, uh, wear the bracelets, what would Jesus do? We need to go back to that in in situations like that. Yeah, that's good. So just to piggyback off of her, you do experience times where people might say something that's inappropriate and that hurts your feelings, or you might experience just physical things that might hurt your feelings and um, make you uncomfortable. But like she said, you have to handle it in a Christian manner. You can't get upset. You have to, it's mind over matter. You got to be mature about it and be able to handle it. And um, also my dad has always taught me that I can do anything that I want to do, both of my parents, but especially my dad. And I like to use that to also encourage my brothers. I have two younger brothers. And so even if I struggle getting to do what I have to do, I get it done because I want them to know you can do it. It might come easier and that's great. So since it comes easier, I want you to do it better. I want you to be better than me, but I want you to know that it's possible to be reached. So nothing really scares me or tells nobody tells me I can't do anything. I always Come make on. sure that I can. So That's right. That's right. That's good. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, let's talk about motherhood. Um, Judy, you represent obviously some people here, some people up in Lawrenceburg. Um, you know, there's something about being a stay-at-home mom, and I think it comes with a stigma. So what would you say to a stay-at-home mom or dad who feels like you know, if they're not bringing home a paycheck or they've not embraced a career with, you know, upward mobility, that they're not successful. You know, what would you say to somebody who's staying at home? Does staying at home matter? Is there value to being a stay at home Yes, yes. Um, I think early on in my marriage when, when I was pregnant with my first child, you know, my husband and I made a decision that our kids going to heaven was going to be more important than them going to Harvard. Come and on, that their spiritual lives mattered more than anything. And we wanted 
to be the ones to direct them. And so there have been seasons of my life where I have been a working mom and season of, of my life when I've been a stay-at-home mom. And the Lord has kind of guided me and showed me what my kids need. But, but here's the truth. You know, research has shown that 50% of born-again believers made that decision before the age of 13. And 8 out of 10 of them were led to the Lord by their mom. And that does not diminish dads. That does not diminish the role of the church. But I say that to impress upon every mom in this room that your influence over your children in the first 13 years of their life is vital. They are watching you live out your faith and work out your faith. And you are the example to them, you know, of of whether they're going to walk with Jesus. It gets harder as they get older. There are other influences in their lives. And so for us, you know, we see... Me staying at home as serving eternal value, not financial gain, but eternal value. Yeah. So I imagine you have to make some financial sacrifices. We're not at the beach right now, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I thought because we gave you this opportunity. You know. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I, I just want to just speak to that as well. You know, one of, the, one of the things we love here at Faith Church, you know, all of our pastors on staff and everybody here who works hard, we love the privilege to be able to speak into people's lives and Uh, pastor and serve, and really, it's the highest privilege we have. But, you know, sometimes we feel this weight that, especially in kids' ministry, that, you know, people will go out in the world and face all kinds of challenges as children, and parents drop them off on Sunday and expect to pick them up transformed after being with us just for one hour. And I want you to know, if you're here and you have children, that it is our privilege to partner with you, but it is your responsibility to parent. And that means there's a weight to it. Uh, Miss Judy uh, made, made reference to this, but you need to know this, that, um, that most children who make a decision to serve Christ and give their lives to Jesus make that decision by age 12. It's 60% chance. If they don't make that decision by age 12, they will not. By age 18, if a person does not decide to follow Christ by age 18, there's a 90% chance that will not happen the rest of their lives, which means that those decisions, those faith formative years happen when they're younger. Which, which means it's probably not going to happen once a week for one hour in kids' church. It has to happen in the home. And so while it's our privilege to partner with you, there is extreme value in making those contributions to your children's faith, especially to stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads. Definitely far worth uh, more than just money. Awesome. Um, okay, listen, let's talk about uh, balance. How many people here wrestle with priorities, keeping a balance in life, work, family, all those things? So I would love for for Ryan and for Josh to speak to how do you balance. One of the things that, again, um, Ryan, what you do in Lawrenceburg with government, and at the same time, I want to give some props to to Ryan here. Ryan um, is part of our key key setup and teardown team at our Lawrenceburg campus. Lawrenceburg, man, again, you guys are killing it up there. So not only is he busy in the community making it happen, growth in the community, but he shows up every Sunday. The setup team sometimes gets there as early as 5 o'clock in the morning. They do two services and then tear down. Most of them don't leave until 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And so, Ryan, how do you find balance in killing it at work but still having energy and passion to show up on Sunday and serve God and serve your community? Yeah, so um, it, it sounds like a lot, right? Um, but I'll, I'll lead with this. When, when you buy into something, especially if it's something um, that, that God gives you, whether it's influence in your job or the job itself or where you're at, or if you've bought into what God's doing here at Faith Church, it, it doesn't seem like a balance. Um, it, it, just, it just comes naturally, and that gives you energy, and, and that helps quite a bit. Um, 
we, I've been at Faith Church for five years now, and um, the commute from Lawrenceburg to here um, for, for about three and a half, four of those years, um, it was easy to justify not plugging in and serving here at church. Um, and so many of us traded that commute um, to serving at the Lawrenceburg campus, and, and no one told us that it was going to take more time <laughs> to serve than the, the commute was. But, but I'll I tell you, when you, when, when you bought into it, um, it, it makes all the difference. It doesn't feel burdensome. Um, the balance just happens because God makes it balance. So it's not just what we do, it's why we do it. You know, why do we give time? Why do we serve? Why do we, I get it. Uh, Josh, what about you with family? Having, um, having several businesses and a young family, how do you balance those priorities? I think the biggest thing for me is, because a lot of times I get home and I'm, realistically, I've got three hours a day to spend with my wife and kids. The, the one thing is, is, so my wife doesn't work outside the home either. She she handles the stuff at the house, so that's the I'm able to do what I do. So I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about is this getting done or that getting done. No idea what all she does. She's does all that stuff, and uh, um, that's a different grace that I don't have. But the uh, um, so I don't have to worry about that. That's the biggest thing. It lets me do what I do. But so when I am home, it's quality time versus quantity time. There's been a, a lot of times. There's people probably spend way more time with their kids and spouse than I do, but they're dug in their phone or their whatever else. So we just, I just try to, as much as I can, purposeful, make sure I'm present, you know? So like we have routines. I take the kids to school in the mornings. We talk, you know, in the afternoons, I help them get their baths and get ready for, you know, going to bed. You know, at the dinner table, we institute a rule because of me, um, because I was the one doing it, not everybody else. But, you know, you see somebody at dinner and everybody's looking down at their phone. So we put our phones and our tablets and everything on the counter. So mm. when we're at dinner, we're, we're sitting down, we're eating, and we're not doing anything else. So we can I really focus. I nobody's clapping for that. First service, people yeah, like, yeah, people's that's like, a good oh, one. I ain't clapping for that. That's a, that must have stung a little bit for some of y'all. Uh, but, uh, but so I guess the biggest thing for me is the quality time and being present. And when I'm with them, I'm with them. So, you know, I, probably I'm hearing you say, if, if you don't have a lot of time, make the most of the time you have. It's about quality, making your moments count. Uh, when you have them with your family, man, dig in and love family. Uh, <clears throat> Grover, I'd love, man, to hear from you. Is again, as you step into, I know you are not necessarily right next to retirement, but as you anticipate retirement on the horizon out there, do you see retirement for those who may be looking forward to it at some point in the future? Is that is that like an end goal, or is that just a new adventure around the corner? How do you? Well, I think Pastor Steve designated me as one of the ones that's in the twilight of life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when I came 10 years ago, I'd made up my mind. I told my wife that, uh, I didn't want to be in a position of leadership in a church anymore. And, uh, seven years I came here to faith church and pastor Steve met with me a, a couple of times and asked me to serve in a couple of capacities. And I said, Steve, I, I just don't think I'm ready to step into that position again. And in a very intimate setting in a very gentle and tender way, he said, so you just plan on sitting in that seat not doing nothing? <laughs> so I'm back in the game again. <laughs> uh, Tom Petty wrote in Mary Jane's Last Dance that uh, if you never slow down, you never grow old. Come on. So retirement is never an end goal. It's always the next new adventure. That's right. That's good. That's great. <laughs> Nick Saban. Ain't got nothing on my recruiting skills. 
some of you don't know it, but Grover is one of our trustees here at Faith Church, and, and Josh is one of our elders, man, doing just a great job. Can we honor them, man, for... And we'd love to speak to the other side again, so, you know, maybe uh, looking towards the end, you guys as millennials. You know, if you're here, you're that millennial generation. Unfortunately, you don't have the best reputation, and certainly some of you have not earned that, but as millennials, you know, maybe not earning the fact, you know, people say they're lazy. How do you, how do you outwork that? How do, you, how do you rise above a bad label that some millennials have gotten? You and Jaleric, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, so that stereotype is real. I think about um, a, a moment about three years ago, I was sitting around a table um, in Lawrenceburg talking about regional workforce trends and, and uh, labor issues, and, and everyone was just bashing millennials the entire time. Now, with that said, like, I get it. Like, I'm on my phone a lot. Um, I, I, I'm on time the best I can be, uh, right? But at the end of the day, we just have to outwork them outwork anyone that kind of challenges that because they were bashing the millennials and I looked around and I was the only millennial at the table. Mm. And, and, and so like in my head, I had this like mic drop moment, uh, right? But I just raised my hand and said, maybe if you wanted to know how millennials worked and why we think and do things the way we do, maybe talk to them. That's great. Um, and, and so I always tell my peers, whether you're a millennial or, or, or you're part of the next generation, Gen Z coming up, don't ever be afraid um, or uh, intimidated by your generation because God gives you talents right. um, on purpose. He makes you who you are on purpose. He puts you where you are. Maybe it's a position or maybe it's in this city. Um, he'll, he'll get you physically where you need to go, but don't discount and always be secure about when God puts you as well. So one thing I want to say to the millennials out there and every, just everybody, actually, um, one of our issues is we like to be followers. And I can tell you from now, I'm not a follower. <laughs> I've not been really good at that when it comes to following in a bad way. Like uh, Pastor Steve just said, it's bad ones and good ones. So you have to lead yourself and be a leader, lead others. There's going to be times where you're going to have times where you feel awkward and you're like, oh, everybody's not doing that, but I know I should be doing it. So like, let me go do this. And everybody's going to be like, why are they doing that? That's not what we're all doing. That's not cool right now. It doesn't matter. You have to, as my dad always tells us every morning, get up, get out, and get something. So you be the leader, and you make sure that people are going the ways that they need to. Even if it makes you feel awkward and uncomfortable, God's tugging on you for a reason. So listen to him, because he's not going to lead you astray. Mm, that's great. So, so, again, I think the challenge is we don't want to live down to the stereotype. We want to live up and set the standard. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, um, would love, man, as we get ready maybe to start to wrap this up, just to hear from one takeaway. What's, we have a few minutes here. What's one thing you would want from me to your perspectives for Faith Church, our Faith Church family in Lawrenceburg and here in Florence to know? Josh? I'll start. Also, I'm a millennial also. I'm kind of offended that you didn't click we, me in there. We, uh, we had a background bet, not for money, but uh, who, if, if Josh would show up in a suit or Grover would show up in skinny jeans, and I lost both those bets. <laughs> Uh, I guess the biggest takeaway for me, for everybody, was um, so I, I bought my first business at a real young age, and I didn't know what I didn't know, if that makes sense to you. So you see a business owner, and you see that they've got um, – um, no, I, I've already answered that question. No, I need to start back. So 
Let me, let me rewind. The uh, uh, second service. Sorry. I'm making us over time now. Um, the, uh, we got one more, Josh. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's, the, that's what I was talking about. So for a, for a lot of years, I, I was, uh, had a consulting company where we coached insurance agents. I traveled around all across the country. I was gone two or three weeks a month and made a bunch of money. You know, I'm not ashamed of that, I, which living with four women, I have to make a lot of money, you know, that's just a, they're expensive. And so, um, it was, it it was great. I really enjoyed it, but you know, I was, I look back now, I was, I was lying to myself thinking that, you know what, I'm providing all this stuff and, you know, I can be away because I'm able to provide and do this. And one day one of my mentors told me, I was talking to him about some stuff. I was frustrated. And, and he said, Josh, do you think in 20 years, your girls are going to say, you know what, I, I really was, it was awesome that dad was able to buy me all this stuff and provide all this stuff. Or do you think that they'd say, you know what, it was awesome because dad was at everything and he was at home every night and all of that. And, and it just slapped me right in the face. And the next month is when we opened up the agencies here locally. That was three years ago. So um, I guess my, my message is, is keep the main thing the main thing. Whatever that looks like to you, sometimes being successful and making a bunch of money, you can lie to yourself and tell yourself that you don't have to do these other things, but what's really important to you, um, and that looks different for everybody, but keep the main thing the main thing. Grover? Well, I was fortunate enough to come along late in my parents' life, and when I graduated high school, my dad had already retired, and my mother was fixing to retire, and they grew up in the Depression, and I grew, I started thinking to myself at 18, what can these two old people teach me? (laughs) I mean, I had just watched a man walk on the moon, and my dad plowed with mules, and I just don't know what they're going to be able to teach me. Fast forward 20 years later, and every value, every virtue that they taught me, I embrace today. Um, Everybody might not have been as fortunate to live in the family that I lived in, but you can always find a mentor or a role model to, to help you, and, and the thing about it is, is is role models, good role models, are always anxious to help people who want to succeed in life. So I would suggest if you're young, if you need that type of guidance, find somebody that will help you succeed. Hmm. That's good. And I would say um, always have a vision for your life, a God-given vision for your life. Pursue it and be in purpose. Um, I love persistence breaks resistance. That's good. Sometimes you're going to feel the resistance, um, you know, to the vision. You will get knocked down, but get back up. Mm. Never stay down, and quitting is never an option. That's good. So I just want to say, I know me personally, I like to try to be superwoman. So I palm my plate up with so much stuff, and I overwhelm myself. Well, it's okay to stop and be still for a second because he's God and he's going to take care of you. So I know through my good times and my bad times that I'm not supposed to worry or fear because he has it all planned out for me. So just be still and listen for it because he's going to send that little, you know, um, moment of, ah, okay, this is what I should do. But if you're busy and you're just going, 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 you're going to miss it. You're not going to hear him. So just stop for a second and just know that he's going to lead you and guide you in the ways that he wants you to go. Wow, that's good. Um, I've done a lot of things in my life, and it's easy for me to say that being a mom is the hardest one by far. And I think it's not long before I feel overwhelmed by just the needs that my kids have and 
just feeling inadequate to be able to meet those. And the Lord is constantly reminding me that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That's right. And God has not left us alone here. He has sent his helper, the Holy Spirit, right. to help us and to lead us and to guide us. And I think one of the one of the best things that happened in my life was when I had just little babies, I joined a small group and met some ladies who loved Jesus and were teaching their kids how to walk with the Lord. And they taught me how to be a mom. And so my advice to any mom in here, I can guarantee that there's another mom sitting in this room right now who is at the same stage of life as you are and who's dealing with the same issues that you are and you need to get connected. And Pastor Steve did not know I was going to say this, so he did not tell me to say it. But the next time we sign up for connect groups, get in a connect group. Meet some other godly right. women right. to be an encouragement in your life. Don't try and do this alone. You know, we've been at Faith Church for about two years now. We had moved here. We didn't know anybody. And I have made and built some great relationships through those connect groups. Every time it's time to sign up, I'm signing up for one or I'm leading one because I need to be connected. I know that. And I just will say this too. Your kids need to be connected. Mm -hmm. We have passionate, equipped leaders at this church who are leading our youth and our kids. That's right. And your kids need to be back there because they need to hear another voice other than you speaking to them and teaching them about Jesus. I had a situation a couple weeks ago where my teenager wanted a certain app on his phone. And I had already had this discussion, and we were having it again. And I was laying it out for him, like, this is why we're, you're not doing this. And I was getting ready for the fight. But you know what he said to me? He said, oh, Pastor Ryan said the same thing. And I thought, thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Ryan. You need other voices speaking into your kids' right. lives. And they need to know that church is for them. And we've got an awesome ministry back there that they need to get plugged into. So don't do it alone. And your kids don't need to be doing it alone. They need to have great relationships with other kids, too, who love Jesus. That's awesome. And yeah, and so one thing that I've learned um, is that we all have influence, and, and it's, you know, about what we do with that influence. And, you know, I, I just look here on stage, and, and you know, we've, we've got a mom and a college student and a pastor and entrepreneur business owners, and guess who they have influence over? They have influence over kids and classmates and congregation and customers, clients, coworkers, and, and that's really important to realize that we all have impacts on a daily basis with just people. And, and, and so that's one thing that I've learned is use that influence for good because... Mm -hmm. It's not, we hear a lot, right? It's about who you know. And that's not the case. It's about who knows you. That's right. And, and, and so when people recognize that, okay, like you operate with excellence, you're reliable, you have character, they're going to call on you to do things and influence things. And, and that's what I love about God. He, he knows us. He, he knew us when he was knitting us together in our mother's womb. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. Mm. And, and he's going to call us to do great things. So use your influence for good. That's awesome. Hey, Faith Church, man, can you give it up for these people, man? Being up here is a big deal. Thank you so much. I would, love to, uh, I would love to give just some closing thoughts to the whole series for all of us, again, regardless of maybe the stage we're in or the stage we're going into. Just some takeaways, again, from today and from the whole series is, is remember that you got, a, uh, you got a job to get a paycheck, but God gave you a job to fulfill a purpose. And, and don't, allow, don't allow your life to be uh, you know, brought down just to, hey, I'm earning money. 
God puts you on this planet to make a difference, and part of the difference you're going to make is in the place that you work. And so show up with that mindset that God puts you there. Again, the way Ryan said it, man, to let your light shine, to be an influence, to be a difference maker. Second thing I want to say as we get ready to close is to manage your expectations. The only thing your employer promised you was a paycheck. And there's so many of us, we show up on the job and we expect to be liked and make friends and our boss be our best buddy and never to have conflict. I want you to know that you will face difficulty in the workplace. And difficulty is not always a bad thing. Difficulty, God uses difficulty to build character. Difficulty brings resistance, which builds muscle. So don't always expect it to be great because, again, as long as you're getting a paycheck, that's all they promised you. God will use the difficulty to build you up. Use it. Well, number three, where you are doesn't always define where you're going. You might be in a dead-end job now. Take every opportunity God gives you and do it well. Jesus said this. He said, if you're faithful in the small things, I'll make you ruler over much. You might feel like it's a dead end, but God puts you there to see what you'll do in the small thing to see if he can trust you with the big thing. So be faithful and watch God promote you. I've been saying it this whole series. God is a God of promotions. Amen. And last thing, and this is something I wrestle with and a lot of us, I think, wrestle with, is make sure you take God to work, but make sure you don't take work home. Um, You know, man, we need to equip ourselves. I love Jalyric just to hear her talk about, man, how she prepares herself for her day, making sure, man, our hearts are right, that God's a part of our journey, and we're ready to go in and engage with God's presence in our life. And that's the difference we have. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we're not better than you but we have somebody better with us. God promised that we don't have to live this life alone, that his, his Holy Spirit is with us. And so as we go into difficult environments, whether that's a marriage or a job or maybe some of you have something going on in your home and you feel overwhelmed, I want you to know, man, God's presence is with you. And you need to go in knowing that you're not showing up alone. And so I would encourage you just to open your heart, allow God to renew your heart, your mind, your purpose, why you're there. Allow him to give you strength. But when you're done with your day, leave your work at work. Don't take the toxicity that a lot of us work in home. I'm not saying never bring it up. Everybody needs somebody to talk to. But don't just bring it home and infect your family. Allow God to give you the grace to leave that on the job. So how many people here would say, Pastor Steve, I, I, want, I, I, wanna, I, wanna experience, I want to experience God on the job. I want God's grace and strength at work. Man, I would... I would count it a privilege as we close today just to pray for you, Lawrenceburg, to pray for, for you. And let's just, uh, man, let's just receive the strength and the grace and the wisdom that God has for us. Father, we are, God, we're grateful because, God, we are blessed. We may not be in our favorite job. We may not be in a cer- perfect set of circumstances, but, God, you're with us. And because you're with us, it's enough. And so, Lord, I declare over every person in this room that God feels overwhelmed with the weight of responsibility they carry that God feels at odds. Father, with the challenges of getting out of a dead-end job, God facing conflict and drama in the workplace, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your presence would just come upon us. God, I pray tomorrow morning when we step onto the job, we would step onto the job with a new heart and a new mindset and a a new faith. God, help us to make work work, not because the job is different, but God, because we're different. And so, Lord, fill us with your presence, and God, use us to fulfill your purpose. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Hey, next week we're starting a brand new series, Game of Thrones. Make sure you're here. God bless you guys. We'll see you then.